Brilliant. Thank you. How's that, Rich? Am I, am I messing up? About, there you are. I got it, mate. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thanks, Al. Clive, wonderful. Just, um, yeah, I was, I was just, so enjoying just worshipping in the far corner of the room there, just standing at the table, acknowledging that's, that's a leveller for us. It's the thing that brings us collectively together as one people, rich, poor, young, old, good looking and ugly. You know, all of us, we come to this table. We all approach it needing grace today. So um, yeah, just a wonderful reminder again of how we approach God. And God is just, you just say it, God is so good to us. Is he, he's good to us, isn't he? He's just so good, it's just so regularly. I guess, yes, so often in life called to be reminded our God is good. We said it in our prayer meeting this morning, our God is good. There is no one else like him. And that this is a bit off, off piste, but um, remember someone this week said, John Lennon was a bit like Jesus. And I thought, <laughs> okay. You might have pitched in with Mother Teresa or Nelson Mandela. John Lennon, oh, that's a stretch anyway. But um, no one is like Jesus. It's just no one that is like him. No one can compare to the goodness of our gods. Nothing, no other worldview, no other, no other person you're gonna encounter or meet in this life. He is just so good towards us. And he's so kind and he's so merciful. He's so great and he's so powerful and he's so holy. And he's so big and he's so mighty and yet he's so good. So we can approach him just with complete and utter confidence. And we can say together, he is our God. That's why, um, you know, we've got, we got to keep remembering, that's why, we stay, that's why we sing songs with our kids and we get them to repeat things because it's all well and good to sort of try and start believing something in your heart. But actually it's the things that we say, it's the things that we do and it's the habits that we form that really start to build in just this longevity of being, and I started it a couple of weeks ago, being pilgrims, being faithful disciples of the living gods. So actually it's so important. We... I'll be honest, we used to sometimes do communion and it would be a bit of an occasional occurrence that would go on in the life of the church. And it just, we, when we started to come back post the little break that we had to have because of COVID and not meeting here, we were like, we have just got to break bread regularly because those habits, those spiritual forming habits are what are going to keep us growing as disciples of the living gods. Approaching the table, being reminded actually with those that receive grace. First and foremost, we receive before we can ever give anything to God's. That's so why we said when we get together, we need to be reminded, we need to sing regularly. We've got to declare the goodness of who God is. That's why we're starting Bible school on a Tuesday night. It's why we've been reading Bible in our groups because we've got to be reminded it's the spiritual disciplines of reading God's word and letting God's word form us. Again, I had this moment the other day where my kids and you, your kids might do it as well. They can recite pretty much every advert that they hear. You know, and it's not on telly anymore. You know, not, ITV doesn't shape our view and it's YouTube in my households. But if there's, a, if there's an advert that's come up, kids can recite those adverts. Oh Lord, save me from being able to recite adverts and not scripture. Man, like what a place that we're in. And we say that we, oh no, we don't want to be, we don't want to show our spiritual disciplines. We don't want to get too serious in the way that we do things. No, we're creatures of habit. We form habits that follow God. And those habits are because our hearts have been changed, because we've received grace. We don't earn it through our habits, but our habits then form the life that we live. So I'm, that's why I bring my kids to church every week. 
Because I want them to grow up in an environment where they're faithfully following Jesus. Whether they feel like it or not, they're regularly part of the people of God. Regularly, regularly part of prayer and worship and adoration. Regularly part of hearing scripture being read and singing scripture and reciting truth. So we think a lot about the words that we sing in our songs because again, these things form us and they shape us. And if you think they don't, someone's lying to you. You're formed by your habits and the things that you do. So well done for being at church again today. Well done for being here. Well done for being part of the people of God. So easy to clock out. Not so easy on a day like today. You know, last week was trickier when it's sunny and you want to go to the beach. Today you think, ah, oh, where shall I go? It's a bit cold and drizzly. Beach don't look too appealing. I'll come church. No, come on. I want to be part of the people of God regularly. Part of spiritual formations that happen in us. Faithfulness is so good. Me and Wendy had an argument, or not an argument, but a mini discussion in the car yesterday. Um, she tried to start it as an argument and I didn't buy it. That's how it worked. Um, it was about football, so, you know, it wasn't actually that important. Crystal, Crystal Palace conceded two very late goals to, um, to Aston Villa yesterday and she just said to Finn, she said, jump out of a sinking ship, Finn. You don't need to keep supporting them. Brighton are on the up, they're your local team. You know, she's trying, to, she's trying to goad me while I was there. I could tell what she was doing. And I did, I bit, I did bite. Um, but no, it just it only jumps in my brain. But I, and I said, Wens, I'm teaching him faithfulness. You know? <laughs> and fair enough, if you want to teach him unfaithfulness to changing your football team because the results aren't very good, then that's fine. But I want to teach him faithfulness. You know, when we're, when we're here, I stay, and I, it's, it's kind of jokey, but at the same time, the world is not teaching you to be faithful. It isn't. The world is not teaching you to faithfully follow Jesus. It's doing everything it can to teach you not to be faithful. It's teaching you to hold on to your sin and keep it hidden. It's teaching you to be formed by the patterns of this world and not by him. Not by the saviour who's good. He longs to shape us and transform us. We must follow him in growing as faithful disciples of the living God's. And again, not because we earn our salvation through those things, we receive them as a free gift of grace. No one paid for the bread and wine as they walked into church this morning. You received it freely. You came before God, as Clive said, as a filthy sinner, cleaned and rescued and redeemed and washed by the blood of Jesus. Freely you've received. Be shaped and formed, not by the patterns of this world, but by a renewing of your minds, by knowing the truth and letting the truth set you free. It's got to be the walk that we have as disciples of the living God. Amen? It's true, isn't it? Come on. Right, let's get on with it. Let's, um, let's read God's Word. God's Word shapes us. We're going to read Matthew 20. What I would say is this is a bit like a second part preach. So a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about pilgrimage, faithfully following God, a pursuit of God, a chasing after Him, a longing for Him first and foremost. And one of the things that I really landed on was this idea that God's people, when they inherited the land, some of the tribes inherited physical space, but one tribe, the Levites, were said, and it, and it says of those people, you will receive God and He will be your possession. He will be your lands. He will be your God's. And in some ways it's true of all, but it can be so easily sometimes get distracted by the possessions and the thing, not just that we possess, but ultimately possess us. That's the, that's the challenge of our possessions. Not just that we own them, but they start to begin to own us a little bit. You might know that. Um, but actually the idea that when I'm completely freed from my possessions, when I call this 
preach, when I possess nothing, I get to enjoy everything. So when all of a sudden I start to let go of the things that possess me and that I hold on to, I start to enjoy everything as a gift of grace. Everything that is God's, that again, he doesn't hold on to, he freely shares with me. I get to enjoy the possessions, the things, the goodness, the earth and everything thereof. I get to enjoy because I hold it in its right light. So it's kind of a bit of a second part to last week's preach. I'm going to begin by reading um, sort of a, a, a little parable, a little story that Jesus tells. It's from Matthew 20, I'm reading it from the CSB. I'm just going to let it speak for itself and shape us a little bit. And you might ask yourself some questions as you're reading it. For the kingdom of God, or for the kingdom of heaven, is like a landowner. You didn't think it would say that, did you? Strange, strange start. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyards. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. And when he went out at about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he said to them, you also go into my vineyards. I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and he did the same thing. Then at about five, he went and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You, you also go into my vineyard, he said to them. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers, get them together, give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. And when those who were hired, about five came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed they would get more but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men, they only put in one hour. You made them equal to us who bore the burden of a day's work and the burning heat. He replied to one of them, friends, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do whatever I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first last. And that's the word of God. Now you might have known that, you might have heard that story before. It's nice sometimes to read scripture a bit slower to listen to the words, might have wound you up. Good. God's word should sometimes poke you in the ribs a little bit and wind you up. It might have made you feel massively grateful because you sometimes feel like you were late to the party and you got what you didn't deserve. It might make you feel like, I cannot believe that God would do that for them. All of these things, they're appropriate reactions to God's word and that's how Jesus spoke, he spoke in parables, he spoke in stories, which were caused to, to, to create reaction. They were there to try and speak and they speak deep 
They speak deep into the human heart and they touch on some nerves that are living there, some little roots that live in it. Now there's some layers to it. You could say, actually, is he talking about God's people, Israel? And the future idea that he's going to bring Gentiles into these promises that the Israelites have worked so long for so many years to hold on to. Cannot believe that even the Gentiles would get in on this deal. Maybe, maybe that's a little, little subcontext that's going on. But if I just take it, I'm just going to take it completely on face value today. And my immediate, of this is often what I do with scripture. I've got a bit of a scattered brain. Any hands up for scattered brains? Yeah, good. Any hands up for logical thinkers? Well done for you logical thinkers. <laughs> um, anyway, scatter brains like a few of us. When I read scripture, I just think, what's my brain just getting drawn to straight away? And mine got drawn to this. And I, the, the verse that was in there was that, don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? That's what I got drawn to straight away. Oh, it's all God's, is it? It's all the owners of the vineyards. I thought it was all mine. Oh no, it's all his. Now, again, the pattern of this world shapes us because we're, <laughs> well, we're not all, but we're raised in good capitalist waters in which we're taught to build up finances and possessions and homes and become owners of things. And actually, even in Britain, you go to Germany, you realise not, not a lot of people in Germany own their homes. They rent a lot in Germany. I noticed that when I was in Berlin. And you come here and we're sort of taught, no, make your little patch, put your fence up around your garden. You make sure that your neighbour knows which bin is yours. <laughs> no? <laughs> I got a number on my bin, I'll tell you that. No one is nicking it, I got two. Because uh, <laughs> again, I've been raised in, in, in goods, good capitalist waters that have told me it's good. It's good to hold on to things. I do share my, my lawnmower with my next door neighbour. See, you know, maybe I'm a bit more commie than I thought I was. But, um, but anyway, yeah, share it across. Because there's moments when I think, I don't need, he doesn't need a lawnmower. We don't mow the lawn at the same time as each other. Let's just share a lawnmower. Anyway, sub point. There are moments, though, when I've got to realise what the gospel does is it takes words like my and mine and it teaches me that it's all his. Do you see that? The kingdom of God teaches me that the stuff that I think is my and mine, and again, that's words that the world uses all the time. It's about ourselves. What was I scribbling down in this stuff? I was like, I grow up with words like gain and profit, life and self. They're words that I grow up with. They're words I would have been taught quite a lot. I would have heard them said around me. I would have listened to them in the songs that I listened to. I would have seen them in the films that I watch. I would have read them in the books that I'm around. I would have talked about them with mates. Gain, profit, my life, myself. Sort of words that we get continuously. And then the gospel teaches me, oh no, it's all his. What is, what is my gain? What is my profit? What is my life? If I'm to inherit all things and lose my soul sort of things that the gospel teaches me. Actually, what does it mean to really inherit true life? Actually, if I'm to lose everything in this life, but gain my soul, then I gain everything. It just, it recalibrates. It just changes and transforms things. And I, I love this little bit. I was, um, it's a bit of an accidental read. I didn't really mean to read this book. I just grabbed it off a shelf. And um, 
Thank you so much for, for giving me some space to be able to go to Edinburgh last week. It was wonderful to be with the churches there. Um, I went to a brilliant church just on the English-Scottish border, just preaching um, last Sunday morning. I just loved being amongst them and a prayer day in Edinburgh and going to a really small church in Livingston, just on the edge of Edinburgh and visiting. And it's hard work for them. They're right at the front of it. But just to see, now this is part of our wider family of churches. And again, I'd encourage you, if you're ever in that part of the world, go and visit the church up there. If you ever find yourself in Edinburgh, just go there. If you're in the borders, just go there. Gallus Shields, which is where it was, just go and encourage them. I'm from Eastbourne. Yeah, we're part of the same family of churches. It's great to worship with you. It's great to sing alongside you. It's great to encourage you. I love it when people turn up here and say, yeah, we're visiting for the weekend. We just thought we'd come and be part of the people of God in Eastbourne. It's a joy. It's a great thing to be able to do. So it it was wonderful being able to do that. And then you know, listening to baptism stories and the people that got baptised there last weekend. Wow, the story's just so powerful. Just actually one thing that broke me a little bit, again, just, wow, it's so sad that so often, especially for young people, just the struggles with mental health and understanding identity in God. That's why we've got to keep preaching the generation to the next, we've got to keep preaching the gospel to the next generation. We've got to keep telling people about what Jesus is I think there was this amazing, Douglas Fredericks was a guy in the States and he said, better to build strong children than fix broken adults. And, that, and that some things that I just think, I listen, I'm like, I'm praise God that, that kids, before they get to that place where those things just ruin life and the enemy loves to steal and, and rob and destroy, just find the goodness of the gospel in a church family and home where they know they're loved unconditionally and welcomed and part of it. And even when they sin and make mistakes, they know they can walk back to God again and say, I'm sorry, I repent and to be welcomed and loved and not spend years like prodigal kids just eating pig food out in the, out in the fields, but coming back to the table regularly to know God's. That's, we've got to build a community like that and we've got to build it in a way which welcomes people into it as well. So anyways, you know, scatterbrain. This is what I read. Kuiper says this, and this is, this is like a Dutch theologian. He said this. There is not a single square inch of creation concerning which Christ does not say mine. It's all God's. Everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything thereof. We're going to read that in a second. This is not just another way of saying that Christ is not only Lord of our souls, which he is, but he is Lord of our bodies, Lord of our families, Lord of our commerce, Lord of our recreation, Lord of our education. He is Lord of science and Lord of arts. He is Lord of dance and diethongs. I don't know what that is. Eating and drinking. There's no corner of creation that is immune from his lordship. No secular sphere of life that is neutral with respect to the creator's sovereignty. Wow, it is all God's. So when I read in the middle of that little parable, don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? My answer is yes. The Lord has the right to do with what is his. And again, I'm not worried about what he's gonna do with what is his. Because like we started when I began, he is good. And if he's good, I can trust him to do good with all that is his. I can start to let go of my own fear and worry that someone else isn't going to do as well with me and mine as I know that he is going to do with what is his. 
That is hugely releasing. And actually, even the, even the little thing, like, as I, I, I was saying that, I am so, and saying to the kids, I am so grateful that he is mine, but more than that, I am so grateful that I am his. I can, I can get a bit worried sometimes about how I can deal with, with my understanding that God, I make mistakes, I'm flawed, I'm a sinner. I, 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 know, I'm, I know I'm not a sinner. I'm righteous. Stand before the throne of God, I'm forgiven. I know, I still sin, I say that. Still make mistakes, I'm flawed. God is not. He's perfect and true and good and kind and merciful. I can trust him with my own life much more than I can trust me with my own life. That's the gospel. That is, that's what last week, nine people are just saying, take hands of my own will. I am not master of my own ship anymore. It's what John Newton's doing. He's, he's driving his own ship. He's tied to the mast. He's thinking, oh, I'm not in control. These waves are going to sink me. They're going to absolutely destroy me. I need to give control to someone else. Give it to God. Give it to the King, the Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, there is a fight for the throne of our hearts. So that's what I'm saying. Like in our heart, our heart, we're created as worshippers. Whether we realise it again or not, we all love to worship. Just for, just for a second, if you're with someone that you know, this will be funny. Just turn to them and tell them what they worship. Go on, just go on. That will, go on, wind some people up. Just lean next to them and say, do you know what? You worship Channel 4 TV on a, on a midweek night. Do you know what? You, you worship the golf course. Go on, just poke each other a little bit. Come on, you know it. I've found that you worship vintage. That seems to be where all of your money is going at the moment. I've found, I've found that you, you massively worship foreign travel. You know, as Marcella said to us so good a little while ago, some of us here worship paddleboarding. You know, we want to get so good at paddleboarding. There is a fight. There is a fight for the throne of our hearts. And I want to regularly, and I invite us as a community to regularly say, there's only one seated on the throne. But what I've got to realise is that others try to fight for his place. Jesus is seated on the throne of my heart. That's, where, that's what I spoke about two weeks ago. He's my first love. Thing I, the thing I want to worship and put first. But I realise there's things continuously clambering to take his place. Trying to just squeeze in onto the throne room of God's. Can I, can I get a little bit of your worship? Just a time, I'll, I'll take a little bit of it. I'll take your time, your, your attentions, your talents, your goods. And Jesus says, no, let me sit on the throne. And again, it's, it's these spiritual disciplines and practices which they, they like pull up little roots that would grow into the throne of our heart. And it's like, don't let that little root grow. I think Soph said it a few weeks ago, didn't she? Like small cheaters become big cheaters and big cheaters eat you. You know, a small cheater's cute, just sits with you, but a big cheater hiding in the grass is going to jump out and devour you. Sin is the same. Small sins, small little throne room stuff that my heart starts to worship and adore, grows and grows and grows. And that that started as a small little obsession for something can grow into a place where it just devours me and tries to take the throne room of, of God away from my heart. I've got to watch the small sins and see where they grow. So I've got to be in community with other people. Because again, the, the enemy, the patterns of this world love to just, love to keep you away from the small stuff, to not realise them, not notice them. And then your good, your good friends alongside you or your family, they say, now come on, got to fight for this. 
Got to keep him seated on the throne. There's a fight for the throne of our hearts. This, um, Clive mentioned it earlier, but you see this little picture here that's coming up, Rich, you got it, of the Bank of England. So that's the old original stock market building. And this next to the church that Clive mentioned that was there. So we as a staff team, we went up before the start of year, before we start, you know, appraisals and all our bits and bobs, our work patterns of what we're doing. So good just to spend a, a day together in London, just getting our eyes up on God's, saying we do it for him. Before we do anything, we do it for him. He's our, he's our love, he's our, he's our worship is for God's. So to be inspired by men and women of faith who've done that from generations before, and as Ben said, may have never seen the fruit of their own efforts, but yet were faithful to God in their generation, inspires us to say we'll be faithful to God in ours. And so as we're walking, Ben just pointed this out, and it's really hard to see, but just above, this is the old original stock market building, right next to the Bank of England, and on the top it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. On the middle stone, the middle stone above the pillars. Now that, I don't think, I might be wrong, I don't think if that building was built today, in Great Britain 2023, we would still be carving that on top of the stone at the very top of the entranceway into the building. We're about to deal with our possessions and our stocks and our shares and our markets. I just don't think that's the, I don't think that's the shaping narrative of our culture. Now you might say, oh, that's, all, that's everything that's wrong. It's sad, but it's true. And I can't go back, but I can make sure that over the throne of my own heart is continuously scripture like that that says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I can't shape what people put on buildings, but I can shape what lives in my own heart. You could get angry about, well, why aren't they doing it? Why isn't someone else doing this thing? Start with us, model it. And let's, again, not just in my own heart, let's say it about this church. Let's say it in this house, in this community, in this family, in this people, Let's make statements like that about our own lives. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to him. It's all his. And again, that's where the gospel is wonderful because then it's not just something that you say, something that you see. You see it. And I see it in this church. This is an incredibly generous church regularly. The way, that it, the way that men and women in this church treat and look after their possessions is because verses like that have shaped our community and continues to shape who we are. And it's a culture of generosity that we build in and amongst us because we don't say to each other, oh, this is mine. We say this is all his. And we share and we find ways in which to bless one another and to bring all that we have communally with each other in worship and adoration of God's. So I'm just going to say, like, in a, in a little bit, just in a, in a few minutes, we, and I, I'm saying sorry to this because it's under my watch a little bit as, as leading the life of the church, we stopped regularly taking offerings on a Sunday morning. And you might have said it was pragmatic, no one deals with cash anymore. Yeah, it's true. No one brings cash to church, really, maybe a few people. So we used to, if you were here, I don't know, four or five years ago, we used to regularly in our worship just pass an offering bucket rounds. And again, it wasn't so we could collect more money it was because we wanted our giving to be an act of worship rather than just a little private thing that we did separately. And I, I think probably, like, let me confess, it's good. Maybe part of it's embarrassment, feeling embarrassed that someone's new visiting church, passing a bucket around in front of them and thinking, oh gosh, they're going to think we just want their money. Let's not do that. It might have come from a pragmatism of thinking, oh, there's no cash anyway, just leave it. 
But actually, I think I'm being more shaped by the patterns of this world than by God's. And actually, wonderful, you know, where's Jeanette Williams? She here. Jeanette, where are you? Where are you, Jeanette? Jeanette's our chair of trustees, and one of our first things in trustees is we're talking, we have to talk about finances and stuff. She said, Ollie, please can we start bringing our offerings back into worship and let it be an act of worship rather than something that just is a drop of thing in the bucket at the back. She said, I need it. I need to constantly be reminded that what I give, I give to God as an act of worship, not just of like a transactional thing that I'm doing each month. And so we're sorry as leaders. We're sorry that, and actually it's, it's it really, it robs the community of the shaping power of gathered worship with each other. It's why we break bread regularly. It's why we sing. It's why we pray. It's why we preach. Because we believe those things shape us. I think more and more just this conviction in our heart. We believe that our giving shapes us. We believe that our acts of worship like that, it shapes who we are and it reminds us and it raises another generation of believing that everything is the Lord's and it all belongs to him. And we do it publicly and we do it with one another. We do it in a way in which we're showing our worship and adoration to God's. Let me just walk through a little bit because I just want to take this little idea of our possessions and the real danger can be is that sometimes we just think, oh, okay, well, stuff's bad, is it? Let me just walk through this little bit of like, this is logical thinking and I nicked it off someone else, not myself. I nicked it off St. Augustine because my brain isn't logical. Okay, so St. Augustine would say this, only the creator God can actually create stuff. He probably didn't say stuff. Um, <laughs> but only the creator God can actually create And so if God is good and only God can create, then all that creates is good. Okay, there's a bit of logic just going across there. I have to follow it myself. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says this, what do you have that you did not receive? Okay, that starts to shape my logic again. So everything that God creates is good because God is the creator. Nothing that is created can be bad because only God can create. Okay, what do I have that I haven't received? So everything that I've received has been good from God. Ah, oh, so there's something interesting then about the good that I receive that somehow gets corrupted into something being bad. See, that's what the world's doing. It's what the power of this world, it's what the, you know, the prince of this world, the evil one, is trying to do with the things that God that has created is good is he can't create, so instead he just corrupts. He can't create, so he just corrupts what is good. And he turns it from something that was good into something that instead brings death and destruction and separation from God. And he does that with our stuff, our possessions. Our possessions which in and of themselves are good. They're from a good God because the earth is the Lord's and everything thereof. Everything that grows on the trees, everything that comes from the grounds, everything that's produced is of the goodness of God. So there's something about the way that I receive it And the way then that I use it, which is corrupted by evil, which spoils it for me and for my worship of God. Do you see a bit like, just you see that? Then my brain was trying to follow it from, okay, I can get there. And then it said this, evil is the cowardly nothingness that eats away at God's productive goodness. Wow. Evil's got no power. There's no power in evil. There's no power in these things. It's just so nothing that exists, but it slowly just eats away and it does it through lies and it does it through continuously trying to form habits in us. And it says, hold on to things. You're not going to have enough. Use it for your own goods. Use it for pleasure. Use it for fun. Use it for all these things. And it's continuously trying to shape the way that we use our possessions and it eats away at God's productive goodness in our life. 
And so the reason we said we just, um, we're going to do this. So we, today, I'm not expecting people to bring huge amounts into the offering today, but we're going to model it in worship in a second. Sal and John are just going to come and play. We're going to pass the buckets around us. But what I want us to do is not really even give. Some might give in their acts of worship today. I just want it to recalibrate our hearts. And I want to say publicly, we're going to start regularly doing that at parts of our worship. Now, we don't break bread every week, but we want to be in the regular habit of at some points in our worship gatherings on a Sunday morning to be saying, we're going to be reminded that our offering, our giving is a giving to God and acknowledging of the fact that it was all his goodness that I received in the first place and that I now give back to him as an act of praise and worship and adoration. And in doing so, I think it's exactly as Carver was saying, it's going to start to form a holiness and a reminder of God's sovereignty in our life. And if we don't, we could easily just fall out of the habit of it. And actually more so, I would say, the next generation will never understand it because we don't publicly model it. If I'm not publicly modeling it to my kids, my kids will grow up and they won't remember that we used to do it. They say, oh no, we never do that in church. Just do it privately online. Okay, there's some pragmatism there, but I want my children and, my, and the future generation to understand this is what the people of God do together. They give God what is already his. And they do it with joy and celebration and thankful hearts because they understand they've been freed from the tyranny of stuff. They've been let go from the, the possessions possessing them. All of a sudden, everything they had is to enjoy, enjoy the goodness of all that is the Lord's. So this is how I think about it. Often, and I've got habits of it, and I had to remind ourselves of this. Wend works in education. So this year in education, it took, a, it took a long time. It was painful of people going on strike and kids being off school. But teachers were fighting, trying to say, actually, we, there must be fair pay across education. Now, all of a sudden, as a result, because Wend works in it, in September, we receive an increase in our finances from school. What do you think my heart will do straight away with it? Spend it because I've got a heart and I've got a heart and a throne that someone else sometimes wants to sit on so we could say oh yeah I wonder what we could do with those, that extra bit of money each month we could save it up we go on a nicer holiday we could change this we could do that now again those things are not bad in and of themselves because they're created by God they're good but the way that I approach them can sometimes be more shaped by the patterns of this world than by a good God who's given them to me so our way is to look again and say what have I received going to regularly give to God and as I regularly give monthly into the life of the church just regularly into saying I give this to God as an act of worship and adoration I understand they are the things that form me and they form who I am as a follower of Jesus and then I get these absolutely wonderful moments and we're going to again we're going to do it in October we've got a great legacy of doing it of just having gift days and one-off offerings into things that go in the life of the church and if you watched or you came along to the info night that we had the other week we're starting this little, you know, we, we want to start being missional and we've got meetings that happen in town centre and we want to start an evening meeting and we're longing to increase things that are happening with kids next door, but also taking this real risk of faith, trying to see whether in the next few years we could plant a church in the harbour, doing it with good friends, Carl and Christy, that we're just getting to know and you're going to get to know them more and more over the next few months and they're coming along to our joining the church course at the moment and people that know them already from the town are part of this church. But in October, we're just going to say, let's take one-off offering, not regular giving, we're just going to take an offering and on those weeks and those Sundays whatever we put into the buckets as we collect we're going to use those things for the advance of the gospel that we want to do and we're going to use some of it to try and plant into the harbour and the things that we want to be part of and again they're acts of faith 
They're not things of saying, I have to do this to pay God back. It's just the freedom that I get because I say, the Lord has blessed me with these things. I can freely give them to God. And number one, it's going to bless him and his people. And number two, it's going to free me up from the tyranny of it trying to hold onto my heart and win possession of the throne of my soul. So, Sal, do you want John just want to come and join me just a second? Because just this moment, it's a bit strange. I promise you the blue team are really worried about this because we haven't done it for so long. Genuinely, Jan said to me, please tell me, because we haven't done it for ages, I don't want to do it wrong. So if someone just throws a bucket in your face, that's wrong. If you've never been in this environment before and someone passes you upside down, that's wrong. If someone like holds on to it for ages, okay, that's wrong as well. Or if someone starts taking stuff out the offering bucket, that's wrong. But what we're going to do, and I'm, it was just like a little trigger, just Sam, Sam's a wonderful gift to us. We were just talking about it. He just said, I'm just going to make these little, little, little cards that we're going to put into the bucket. And it's a bit strange because in some way you are going to take something out today. Um, but they're just little cards. And I just want us to take a moment as we're listening to this song and reflection in worship, a bit like I did with communion, just to say, Lord, and I might not be giving today. I'm not going to put anything in the bucket today. I haven't got any money on me that I'm putting in. But I want to be reminded that actually in six days time no longer than that what's the date I don't know on the first of the month whenever that falls on the first of the month me and Wendy will give our offering into the life of this church again and I just want to take that moment as I sit here to say God I'm giving that offering as a formative thing of saying you're Lord of my life I trust you with what is mine I trust you with what is good that you've already given to me and I give this as an act of worship and adoration for you and so we just made these little flights just as little prompts they put in there and actually it's, it's more than just money. If you, if you think that possessions and stuff is just money, that's just one part of it. It's our time, it's our talents, it's our treasure, we'd say that in the church here. It is our finances, but it can be through the way that we serve, through the way that we give of ourselves, through the way that we're generous of bringing people into our homes, through the way that we're generous with our prayers. We invest our time into the community and the people of God because all of those investments again are declaring the throne and the lordship of Christ in our life so you can just take one of these if you want as a little prompt and they'll live around during it but just as a little prompt of some things that we're going to do so let's just take a moment right if we just sing that we're going to bring it together Jan do you want to come bring them around they're just going to be passed down the aisles and if they get to the middle just pass them across but just this bit now just as you listen just be reminded this is what I'm giving to God bring it as an act of worship and offering to him And then I'm just going to jump up and just bring us into land with the last couple of bits. Okay, Sal's Sal's going to sing just a little bit more in a second, but I I wanted to start and finish with scripture. Um, I want us to be reminded of that idea that actually if we possess nothing, we enjoy everything. And actually if we learn to use our possessions well now, we can use them as a way of enjoying and worshipping God. That's the joy of our stuff. We can be released. And um, I'm going to read to you Matthew 6. And Matthew 6, the, the little subtitle that's put in mind, it wouldn't have been in the original like, text. But this is what it says. It says, learning not to be anxious is what it puts at the top of mind. And then it talks about stuff. So I come back around to the idea that I feel that there is just an increased level of anxiety and fear and worry of tomorrow and worry of being enough amongst the next generation of people. 
And I think that God's word can shape and break into those ideas of anxiety. And I can see that God says the way to do it is through how we understand our possessions and our stuff. I just don't think that the way the world is teaching our young people to understand their stuff is freeing them from this anxiety and fear and worry of what tomorrow brings. So let's instead listen to God's words and then let's sing this. Matthew 6, don't store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor, mu- nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and don't steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you would drink, or about your body, or what you will wear, isn't life more than foods and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin threads. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father, He knows that you need them. That is so releasing. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We